0: You're listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday Rebel bosses just like you who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by launching digital products online. I'm your host, Eden Freed. Let's learn to launch. Hey Rebels, welcome back. Today we are talking all about how to write like your customers talk, what voice of customer research is, why it's the key to meeting your people where they're at in your copy, and how you can use it to help strategize your launch, plus exactly how to get started with all of that. And joining us today to do all the educating is the lovely Sarah Frandina, a a conversion copywriter whose true superpower in life is translating the thoughts and stories of others into meaningful insights that fuel empathy-based marketing and communication for her clients. But before I welcome Sarah, quick housekeeping item, if you wanna learn how to launch your digital product in the next 90 days, I've got a free roadmap that'll show you exactly how to do that head on over to edenfreecom forward slash RBL. That's edenfreecom forward slash RBL to grab your free copy before you forget. All right, please join me in welcoming the incredible conversion copywriter, Sarah Frandina. Hey Sarah, so excited to have you here today, welcome. Thank you for having me, I'm so excited to be here. Okay, so for everybody who doesn't know you and know your history and what you do, tell us a little bit about your business and how you got into this world. Awesome. Awesome. Um, So I am a certified
1: conversion copywriter. And really what that means, um, how a conversion copywriter is kind of separate from any other sort of copywriter is that very focused on copy that creates connection points and drives actions. Um, So those could be transactional, that could be getting somebody to sign up for your email list, any sort of action that that people have to actually intentionally make. Um, The certification part of that comes from um, going through some program work with copy hackers. So I got started in, it was 2012 and I was working full time for a tourism agency in the Finger Lakes of New York. And um, we worked with a lot of small businesses in the area helping them with their marketing and their promotions. And I started hosting some lunch and learns for them when they asked about blogging or they asked about social media, they asked about email newsletters. So I was doing these hour-long lunch and learns, and I had a bunch of the business owners coming to me on the side saying, hey, can we hire you to do this for us? Because we just can't make time for it. And I I couldn't do that based on what I was doing for the tourism organization, but that was the first seed that got planted in my head of hey, freelancing is a thing and I might actually be able to build a business off of this. So I actually started doing some work for the businesses for free for about six months. And then just to kind of see if this was a viable business I could build up. And then sure enough, six months later, I left my full-time job and started what is now, you know, so cleverly named Sarah Frandina Strategies. Um, So yeah, (laughs) at the beginning, I was really kind of doing a little bit of everything. I was kind of that Jill of all trades, writing case studies, white papers, websites, emails, Blogs, you name it. Um, And since then, I've really focused in after I did that certification with Joanna at Copy Hackers in 2013, 2014, really focused in on more of the the sales copy. So um, sales pages and email sequences that are very conversion focused.
0: That's really cool to hear how you (laughs) that that first uh, experience you had with copywriting and freelancing. And so I always like to hear people's stories. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, and I know I need to come to you and I want to go to the Finger Lakes. That's always like on my list of places to, to go.
1: It's a <laughs> I've, I've beautiful been, area.
0: I've been to Kuka Lake and I haven't been to any other of the Finger Lakes, <laughs> but it's a beautiful area for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So one of the reasons I really wanted to have you specifically um, come on the show and talk about this and your expertise is because people always hear when they're creating digital products, Um, and writing marketing materials. You need to write like your customers talk. And we get it. We know we need to do that. Obviously, it's easier said than done. Everything in practice is a little bit more challenging. Um, So what does that even mean to you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So when I'm thinking about writing like your
1: customers talk, I'm thinking about using the language that both resonates with them. So things that you say that really create those connection points, and it's about learning about how they talk about your offer, your product, how it solves the problem that they're experiencing. So um, we can guess at this for sure. There are, you know, we have experience, we have expertise, and that gives us some insight into how our customers are thinking and talking. But the better way to go about it and the more reliable way to go about it is by actually doing some voice of customer research. So that's really what I talk about the most. And when I'm talking about voice of customer research or for short VOC, you'll see it. Um, I'm usually referring to go out and going out and actually you know, quote unquote talking to your customers. And that could be via email surveys, phone interviews but it also includes things like reading threads in Facebook groups or um, having conversations in your DMs on Instagram asking questions in your Instagram stories, reading chat transcripts. So any place where your customers are talking about their problems, asking questions, talking about how you've helped them, um, that's how you get kind of that inside glance into what they're thinking and how they express that. And that's going to give you that insight you need to, to write like your customers talk.
0: Now, some of our listeners may be thinking to themselves that they are a version of their target customer. Mm -hmm. maybe a current version or a past version. Um, So how can we tap into our own knowledge? Does that count as VOC research? Yeah, so this is really interesting because I think when we're getting
1: started One of the best pieces of advice I got from my business coach when I was getting started was create the product that you needed when you were at this point, right? Or um, create the service that you needed when you were at this point, depending on what your business looked like. So you being client zero for all of your stuff is really a great idea. Um, But what happens is after you've been in it for a while, you certainly gain some biases um, and it's harder to get out of our own heads. So- there is certainly value in saying, this is how I've experienced this problem. And this is how I've experienced the solution to this problem. But really when it comes to voice of customer, it's more about opening up your mind, getting out of your own head so that you can expand the perspectives that you just might be blind to. And it's not anything you're doing wrong. You just don't have the same experiences.
0: Yeah, I I see that happen a lot, particularly when people are working, not even necessarily on on just copywriting, they're just maybe thinking of what can I make in general. Um, And they're so stuck on, you know, what, what do I do? What do I do? And it's because they're, they're knee deep in it, like they're way too close. And all they really need is to just have somebody else come in and take a look and uh, give some insight and then they're like, oh. Like, why didn't I think of that? Because it's just, you know, you're too close to it. So I think that that does have some implications. Um, What are some implications to not using the voice of your customer? Yeah, so
1: there's three reasons that I say voice of customer is really important. And the first one is that so you're you're not sitting down to a blank page. Mm -hmm. I never sit down to a blank page when I'm starting to write anything for a client. And if you aren't using voice of customer, there's a very good chance you are starting from a blank page. So that's yeah. one of the implications of not using it. That is the hardest thing to do because we, when we sit down to a blank page, everything that we could possibly think of is going to start running through our heads instead of us being able to focus on where we actually need to go. When we're starting with a pool of voice of customer research and we've heard stories from our clients and we've heard how they talk about their pain points, their problems, their hesitations, it gives us something to start from and it's always easier to have that starting point. So that's the number one thing. Um, The second reason I say to do it is because I truly believe that at the core of all ethical marketing, launching digital product creation, everything is empathy. We need to be able to step into our customer's shoes and learn more about the experiences that they're having. And that's, if, if we don't do the voice of customer that's going to give us those perspectives and those different experiences, then we're not going to be able to speak in the language we're going to be guessing at the language that's going to resonate with them instead of having the data that's going to say this is what's going to resonate with them. And then the third thing is really um, the single best thing that I recommend people know about their customer before they start writing any sort of copy or doing any sort of marketing is knowing where they're starting from so that we can meet them at that spot. And when we don't do voice of customer, we might go in a direction that doesn't make sense for them or meet them way too far back in their customer journey or way too far forward in their customer journey. Um, And just to give a little bit more depth to that, you know, when I'm talking about figuring out where they're starting, I'm saying, are we meeting them at a place where they know they have a problem and they're seeking out solutions? We're gonna wanna do a little bit more education, a little bit more marketing, a little bit more nurturing at that stage. Whereas if we're meeting somebody at a place where they know about your product and they're just comparing it to other products, we can do a little bit different that um, we can take a little bit different of an approach with our marketing. So knowing that about our customer is, again, just something that's going to be able to help us get started easier and have those have a higher likelihood of conversions because they're going to say, this person sees where I am and that they're thinking what I'm thinking. They're talking like I talk. I trust them and people buy from people that they trust.
0: I, I love that you mentioned this journey sort of that that people are on and they might not be at that particular stage and that you're, the language you're using needs to match that. And I find that when people's products don't sell, it's often because they haven't identified those different stages of that journey that you're Customer can be on, um, and they're not creating the content and writing in a way that resonates with them. That's often one of the biggest problems. Um, it's I, I refer to it as knowledge gaps. Is that is that yeah. a phrase that you use a lot? Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Knowledge gaps are huge, and if you don't know that there's a knowledge gap, and you don't know how to talk to that knowledge gap or speak to it and answer it, then you're missing a window of opportunity, and you're just not speaking the language so to speak um, of your, your person. So um, I'm sure you have lots of examples, but anything you can think of off the top of your head of times that you've seen very clearly people not using VOC, like is there any blatantly obvious like signs that people have not done the research and not used it well in their, in their strategy without, (laughs) without naming any names or calling anyone out? What, What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the number one
1: place that I've seen this is when people are using any sort of paid advertising. So Facebook ads, Google ads, anything like that, um, where they are jumping to certain actions that your customer is just not ready to take. So when I see a Facebook ad that's leading me as a quote unquote cold person who's never heard of this service provider, this product provider, and they're selling me on a $1,500 product or a $2,500 service, that's not gonna help me at all. I'm gonna be so turned off by that because they've done nothing to warm me up to get to that place where I'm ready to learn more about their offer. So I see that all the time where people are running ads to things that their customers just aren't ready to see yet. If you're selling a product that's going to solve a very specific problem, first, you want to make sure that people are understanding they have that problem and that they are ready for solutions. Um, So a, a prime example of this is you know, one, one thing that a lot of business owners, particularly in the digital product space, because we're trying to grow our audiences to have a digital product to sell to, we might have that problem where we're like, I want to grow my audience, right? But we might not actually know what the solution is yet. So if I see a Facebook ad that is telling me that the number one way to grow my audience is guest posting, and this product is going to teach me how to get posts in in different places and different placements. Um, I first have to be educated on why guest posting is the best solution for my problem. I'm not yet sold on that. I'm like, there are a million ways to grow my audience. How do I know which one is the best for me? If the product creator can start at that point and give me a little bit more education about why guest posting might be a great way to, to grow my audience, then I can warm up to the idea and then I'll be looking for a solution that's going to help me learn how to do that better. Right. So I see that mostly with things like Facebook ads, but we do it all the time, too, with our email marketing and anything like that. Um, the the second place, and I've I've heard this talked about a little bit, is when we see people using templates or swipe copy. Um, where they've said, okay, well, I'm just gonna take this sales page template that I got from this provider or this email sequence template. Um, You start to see when people aren't using voice of customer because you can tell it's a template. I truly believe in using templates as a starting point for your copy But what's going to make them yours and what's going to make them actually work for your business is incorporating the language that's going to connect with your customers. And when we don't do that, then people are going to say, this is really cookie cutter. And I'm pretty sure I've seen this person use it. Um, So those are two places where I see it. I do think there's, I think more and more people are warming up to the idea of research is not just like this waste of time, this uncool, nerdy thing to do. It's more of a tool that's going to help me go a lot farther in getting started and in getting those conversions and those sales and connecting with people. But there's still plenty of people who will skip the research just to get to, to that next step.
0: Right. Yeah. Research does sound intimidating for sure. I think the phrase gets a lot of flack, just, you know, we think science data yeah. type things, but let's talk about what it actually looks like in practice with VOC research. How can we get started? Yes, this is a great question. Um,
1: And that is the thing, Like when I talk about voice of customer, I'm pretty sure I scare away a lot of people, (laughs) um, which is not the goal because voice of customer can be so approachable and you can take the minimum viable approach to it and still get so much out out of it. So um, I usually delineate where to start based on whether you already have an audience or whether you don't. Um, So even if you don't have an audience, there are people in your community, in your ecosystem, however you want to look at, that you can be talking to. So that could be anybody that might be a prospect for your product, whether or not they have subscribed to your email list or bought from you before, anything like that. Um, so for example, I just wrapped a research project where the product is not yet created. It's Well, it's going to be a membership um, with a very tangible product delivered every month. And But so she had an idea of who her ideal audience is, but she didn't actually have that audience yet. So I just had to go out and find where these people are hanging out, which was Facebook groups, Reddit threads, things like that. And I asked the questions there. I put certain links to surveys in there. I texted people in my community who I knew might have access to to people that matched her ideal audience. Um, So getting started that way, you can also, um, you know, if you identify a person who might be a great fit for your offer, ask them to have a 20 minute phone chat. You're not selling anything, Um, just learning about their problems, because really the goal of voice of customer isn't to promote your product, it is to learn more about your customer. So you can have that conversation with anybody, whether they've bought from you or not. You can learn about where they were when they were experiencing this problem, what was happening in their life and their business. If they've sought out solutions before, what what have they tried that's worked and what hasn't? If they thought about buying something before, what's been the number one thing that's made them stop? That doesn't have to be specific to what you're you're offering, Um, but you'll still learn a lot about the people that you could potentially be serving in the future. Now, if you have an audience, obviously this becomes a little bit more clean cut. Um, So looking at the people in your community who have been part of your email list for a while, or part of a member of your Facebook group, or they followed you on Instagram. And then the people who have actually bought from you, if you've sold before, these are people that you can be reaching out to with email surveys, asking for phone interviews. Um, When I even getting started with an email survey, if you can only ask two questions, no big deal, you'll get a lot from those two questions. So the number one question I always suggest that people start with is, you know, what, think back to when you subscribe to my email list or joined my community or bought my product, what was the, what was happening in your life or your business that made you say, I need this at this time, or I want to learn from this person at this time. That's going to give you a lot of insight into what was happening, what their pain points were, what their day-to-day looked like anything like that, that's going to give you that starting state of awareness. So you can say, I'm meeting some, I'm meeting this person at this spot, which gives you that empathy. Um, And then, you know, if if you have room for more that I love seeking out hesitations, because this is the number one thing that we as um, business owners and as service providers, digital product creators, we can guess at the hesitations. But when we hear people talk about what actually keeps them from seeking out solutions, it can be really mind blowing. So asking them, hey, if you've considered buying from me before? What's been the number one thing that stopped you? Or if you've considered um, you know, seeking out a solution for that problem, what's the number one thing that stopped you? And those things usually come down to some version of time or money, but you'd be surprised at the way that people actually define those, those hesitations. Um, so just in two questions, you can learn where your customer is starting from and what their hesitations are. And that's going to take you so far.
0: I love that you mentioned just two questions because I I was gonna bring up that the best I'm calling it a survey but you know nobody likes to to do a survey so uh, you know a questionnaire is really a, bre- a better way of phrasing it um, I sent out a questionnaire with just two questions and I um, made one of those gifts in the in my email that showed it's literally just two questions click here yep. so people didn't have any hesitations about clicking on it and doing it. I said it's going to take you less than two minutes and i got so much good information like i knew after reading the answers what i needed to make for them like it was just a light bulb moment and not only that but i knew how i needed to talk about it like very very clearly um so it was like such an eye-opening experience for me because i didn't know what i was going to make i didn't go into it with any preconceived notions I genuinely wanted to know what they were struggling with. And that was my number one question was, what are you struggling with as it relates to X? And mm-hmm. the answers I got were just so amazing. And then the second question I asked, I think, was um, if I could make anything for you, what would it be? And it was so like right there. I got my answers. So I, I love that. I think we often think surveys need to be these long, crazy things where you use fancy survey software. but I used Airtable. It was great. It did everything I needed it to do. And, you know, I got some great answers for sure.
1: I love that. And, you know, one thing you said was, you know, you had these two questions and they were very open-ended, right? Mm -hmm. That is a mistake that I see a lot of people make is they will offer multiple choice questions, which at a certain point can work really well. Like if you had asked that question of what's one thing I can make for you, and you heard over and over again, the same things. And you're like, okay, now I just wanna learn what's gonna be more important first. Then I can provide that question of, hey, what do you need first? And give them options, right? But when you're just in that info gathering stage, don't fill in the answers for them. Let them take it and run with it. Um, the minute we add those multiple choice options, like, hey, what were you struggling with this at this time? Was it A, B, C, D? We're, we're automatically putting thoughts in their heads for them and we're bringing our biases to the table, right? Mm-hmm. So I love leaving questions as open-ended as possible and letting people interpret them. Um, it's, and sometimes you'll get stuff where you're like, that is not not what I right. was looking for there, right? But, <laughs> but that's okay too. Um, and then, you know, on that second point of you having that open-ended question of what's, what's something I could create for you or what would you want from me? Um, it's also knowing when to take what you can from the research and leave the rest, right? you're probably getting ideas from that where you're like, that's great, but that's not me. Like, that's not something I want to no. do, or that's not my expertise. And you just have to know, like, that's not me. They can get that from somebody else. Or this person might not be my ideal customer because they're looking for X, Y, Z, and that's okay. So that's another really big part of doing the research is knowing that you're going to get feedback where it's, it's going to have those light bulb moments of, I, I need to leave this on the table because it just doesn't pertain to me or hey this is a trend I'm seeing and I really think I need to move in this direction
0: right and I think it'll be pretty easy when you look at the at the answers to weed through the ones that are just not meant not meant for you and you know the the, the really core ideas will stand out for sure and I, I love that you mentioned um, about hesitations because I think a lot of people are hesitant <laughs> to ask those questions because they don't want to know why people don't want to buy from them. It's like, you know, we want to know, but do we really want to know? Like it's sometimes it's easier to (laughs) ignore those realities, but I think it's important. You know, we need Mm -hmm. to, we need to clue ourselves into where people are at because you might find in their answers that it's something so simple that you can resolve very easily. And if you hadn't asked that question, Again, that's leaving money on the table and uh, missing an opportunity to help your people, which is why we're all here anyway. Right, right. I
1: always say info over ego. And it is really hard sometimes, um, but it's really
0: important. Absolutely. Okay, so how can we use voice of customer research in our lawn strategy? Like after we get this information, what do we do with it? Yeah. Yeah. No, this is a great question. So, you know, as a copywriter, I'm
1: bringing voice of customer right into every piece of copy that I write. But if we're thinking about launch strategy overall first, um, one of the things voice of customer can really help us learn is what's going to work and what's not in our launch strategy itself. Um, So when we're learning about when, if you're, if you've already run a launch before asking the people that went through that launch, both the people that bought and didn't buy you know, what was the number one thing, the number one reason you decided to buy from me? And then the people that didn't buy, hey, what's the number one reason you didn't buy? You're going to learn about like, hey, I didn't know enough. So that might inform your launch strategy. Or I would have liked to have some one-on-one interaction with you before I bought. Um, So you're going to get feedback that's going to inform your launch strategy. At the same time, um, you know, I think I was listening to a past episode that you did with Kaylee Hannon, I want to say, Mm -hmm. um, where she was talking about urgency tactics and that's something where it's like, I never want to encourage somebody to use false urgency, but what you'll learn from your customer is which urgency tactics mean the most for them. So if somebody's like, Hey, I wanted to buy, but I couldn't make that decision in your five day cart open period. All right, well, we need to scale back. We need to keep the doors open a little bit longer because they need more nurturing or somebody that's like hey it just takes me 7 months to make a decision <laughs> like you're like okay well that's fine so i know that that's going to be a longer sales cycle right so just informing the overall launch strategy and also learning about if you did run facebook lives or you had open you know open office hours or q and a part of your launch learning if those things helped or hurt or um, worked or didn't. And then thinking about, you know, I need to match that up with what feels right for me, right? Like there's there's no perfect launch formula. It's the formula that is going to take elements that feel good for you and resonate with your clients or customers and give them what they need to make the decision. Um, but your voice of customer and learning what, what really resonated with them is gonna help you make those decisions a lot easier. Then when it comes to actually drilling into the feedback that you're getting and the quotes, the stories, the sentiments that you're hearing, whether that is somebody responding to a a survey or questionnaire, or you're getting on the phone with them and hearing them talk. Those are the insights that are going to help you build headlines. They're going to give you ideas for emails. Um, I, we can build an entire FAQ out of saying to somebody, what was, what's the number one question you have when it comes to this offer, or what's a question that you didn't get resolved. And that's why you didn't buy that kind of thing. Um, that's how we build FAQs. We're actually hearing the questions from them. It's also going to give you content ideas. So if you hear hear the same question over and over and over again, you're like, you know what? I really need to encourage people to learn that before they ever get to my launch. So for this for this client that I just wrapped the research for, her product is a video editing membership where every month they're gonna get an edited video of their family's memories from all the clips they just take on their phone each month, right? If we can say, hey, what nobody's bought this before, right? It doesn't exist. But if we can say, hey, um, what's the number one question you have about this service? then we're building that FAQ. We're learning the questions that are going to come up for them. And then we're also learning like, hey, who is it for and who is it not for? From that survey that we did, I learned a lot about the people that were not going to invest in this. Those are people that are perfectly happy with the the auto-generated videos that you get through Google Photos or through your your iPhone, um, your, your Photos app on your iPhone. Those are people that are not super well positioned for our offer. And that's fine. You're gonna learn and be able to write that right into your sales page. Here's who this is perfect for. Maybe you don't need this if. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that it works right into your copy. But I I mean I highlight quotes that become direct headlines on a sales page. And I'll get ideas for stories that can be shared in emails. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that it's gonna work
0: into the actual elements of your launch. So I see this happen a lot where um, everything you're saying is making me remember an interaction I had with one of my students in Ravel Boss University um, where, you know, you're asked, everybody listening has probably been asked and done this several times where they do that like ideal customer avatar,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Like how many times have we done that? Probably a thousand. And they, you know, they do a little bit of the VOC research, you know, sort of, I guess. And then they, that's it. Like that's the exercise. Um, and they don't do this step. They don't do the step of, okay, now how do I use this? Like, where do I put it? How do I use this information on my sales page and my sales emails and my social media strategy in that pre-launch period? I really feel like everything you just said, you know, that's make or break it. Like, what's the point of doing all the research if you don't have a plan for how you're going to use it? So for everyone listening, take notes on that because I, I feel like, <laughs> I really feel like, you know, what's the point, you know, if yeah. why spend all that time digging into this stuff if you don't actually have a plan for how you're going to use it to propel your launch forward? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we covered a lot of ground here. Thank you so much for, for sharing this, any last piece of advice or words of wisdom for people listening? Yeah. You know, I,
1: going back to that, feeling of approachability for voice of customer. I don't want anybody to feel like it's out of reach. And I want to encourage you to keep it in mind as an ongoing thing in your business. So you're not going to do a voice of customer project once. You can send out that two question survey now and then know that, you know, at the end of this launch you're going to send out a survey to people that didn't buy and you're going to send out a survey to people that bought the product 3 months after they did to learn about the changes they've seen in their business or how it solved their problems. It's something that you can do over and over again at different touch points in the customer journey. So don't feel like every, you need to throw everything into one round of voice of customer research. This is going to be something where you, as long as you are building and growing in your business, you're going to want to be touch, getting in touch with your customers at every single stage. And there's so much opportunity to make that happen.
0: Yeah, definitely not a a one and done sort of project for sure. Okay, so you have a really cool freebie to share. Tell us a little bit about what that is.
1: Yeah. So going back again to that approachability, um, if you head to sarahfrandina.com forward slash rebel dash boss dash ladies, it's it's simply just a, a, I think a five or six day free email course where I'm going to give you a lot of what we talked about here. The best questions to start with and how to really get out there and get some voice of customer just to get you started. So that you feel like it's something that you can take advantage of in your business. Um, so again, if you just head to sarahfrandina.com forward slash rebel dash boss,
0: dash ladies, that's where you'll find that. Perfect. We'll drop that link in the show notes. so You guys can easily click on that and sign up and where can we hang out with you on social media? Okay, so this question's always funny. I'm on social media, but I'm not super
1: active. But Instagram is definitely where I hang out the most. Um, so it's just at Sarah Frandina
0: on Instagram, and I, I'd love to chat with you there. Yeah, you're like me. We're we're on it, but not <laughs> not really on it. <laughs> Maybe it's an age thing. I don't know. I'm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sarah. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was great. Hey Rebel Boss, do you wanna learn how to launch your digital product in the next 90 days? If yes, grab the free roadmap over at edenfreed.com forward slash RBL. That's edenfreed.com forward slash RBL. Thank you so much for listening. If you love the podcast, don't forget to leave us a five-star review and a share on social media. Your support really does mean the world. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and remember, keep kicking ass, keep putting in the work, and most importantly, keep showing up. We'll see you next time.